All right, it's time for the right hook uh, health checkup with Dr. Kira Kelly. Had I met Dr. Kira Kelly before uh, I saw a picture of Pamela Anderson, of course, uh, you, Kira Kelly, would have been number one in my head, but sadly, you're only number two. Oh. And I met the great lady on Saturday night. We've a caption con, we've a caption competition going on uh, on Newstalk.com forward slash right hook because my picture is up. Here are a few of the entries. What do you think? Brendan Corcoran says, I wouldn't mind being the hooker between those two props. Uh, Damien Gunning says, must maintain eye contact. <laughs> I've uh, seen the photo. I know why he said that. Yeah. And then Peter Walsh says, hooked on you. And Maura McBride says, hey, want to hook up? Well, there, the, the thing. Uh, then... Uh, what's that? Oh, Howard Walsh. And with that, the, the Dr. Kira Kelly to be replaced for Monday evening's medical slot. Uh, so that's uh, obviously we're going to bring. Tell Pam me, in. H- how did you get on? Were you starstruck? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'd met her once before about, about I don't know, six or seven years ago. She came over to do something for Brown Thomas, I think it was. And I, I again, fan-like, I drove to Stephen's Green to meet her. And she took a photograph and I still have it. And I, I went all the way to the Montrose. I was like a fan hanging around until I met her. And, and were, were you, you didn't scare her or anything? No, I mean, I would, like she, to be fair now, she wasn't exactly having a long conversation with me, you know. But nevertheless, she was willing to stand there with some fellas she'd never seen or heard of apart from, you know. I saw her, um, I saw her on Ray Darcy. I, I, I actually, I, I like her. She, she's a nice uh, and quite a funny and engaging woman, I think. But she's a very smart woman, you know. And just because you have large mammary glands doesn't mean you're stupid. Do you know what I mean? And I you're preaching to the choir there, George. I, I think that you is... You have mis- large mammary glands, do you? No, the point being oh. that there are lots of women who aren't like the back of a bus that you should never presume are foolish because they're not. Yes. Let's get to the crunch here. Uh, the, the, can, now, just send a text 53106 with your health query if we don't get to it tonight. We'll certainly get to it next week. Um, on the basis that, uh, uh, can you take Viagra if you have a pacemaker? It's funny, I knew you'd go straight for no, that question. No, but it's a very interesting It is point. an interesting question because, and actually it's an important question and I agree with you. Because a lot of people, particularly men, and Viagra is aimed at men, mm-hmm. tend not to read the instructions. Uh, that's a very good question actually because a lot of men with heart conditions need to use Viagra because uh, the same condition, the, the, the laying down of plaques in, in arterial blood vessels, um, which causes heart disease, can also cause erectile dysfunction. So lots of men with heart disease of various kinds do have problems with erectile dysfunction and use Viagra. In theory, there should be no problem being on a pacemaker and um, taking Viagra. However, I would advise anybody, there's a codicil to that, I would advise anybody who wants to take Viagra to discuss it with their doctor, do not buy it on the internet, because some cardiac drugs, which you may be on if you have a pacemaker, do interact with Viagra and make it unsafe. So it's not the pacemaker per se, but if you're a cardiac patient, you absolutely need to discuss it with your doctor. All right. 
You know the the texts we get that I go bananas about because I consider them not to be very good common sense. I, I do, I do. Lee is female, 33, has two kids. She takes up running six months ago, right? She goes from a couch potato to a 5K runner, mm-hmm. right? And she wonders why she has a pain in her hip. One, she might have bad shoes. Two, she's running on concrete. Three, she probably shouldn't be running anyway. Well, I don't agree with you. There's Look, there's a million ways of exercising besides running on the road. There are, George, but you know what? Running is free and it's easy. Um, It's not like having to join... Well, it's free. You don't have to join a gym. You don't have to drive somewhere to do it. You can put on a pair of runners and go out your front door and you're now exercising. Amazing, I would say this. You could buy a bicycle. (laughs) Well, you could buy a... (laughs) I hope someone has recorded that and we can play that back. Yeah, but you could and and I'm all for that as well. Um, But I'm not going to knock this 33 who did a couch to 5k because couch to 5k is a really good way of getting back into exercise because people go from literally sedentary where they can't run at all they can't do anything to being able to run but 5k the pain in our hip is directly related to running 5k it may well be oh, no, but that no, doesn't no. mean don't do this again no 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 go to your GP ring that's for an ambulance that's not what I was going to say kind of I was going to say that maybe what we should try and do is address the pain in the hip so that she can continue exercising and how? so she could how have a bursitis in her hip so she may need to get some physio or she may need an injection in her hip or she may need some uh, anti-inflammatories those kinds of things it's not always the end of the world because you have a bit of a pain in your hip and sometimes sometimes it's to do with being overweight and we don't know anything about Lee in terms of that and if she keeps exercising and living kind of healthily and eating healthily the weight will go down and things will improve so it's not a reason to, to hang up your runners is what I'm saying it is it's not. she said uh, the pain, hip started giving me a jip then I, it got mended so she probably got the injections the painkillers the what paint all the usual stuff you're spouting and then she went back and running again and to quote her precisely lo and behold it got worse well look, and, uh, look I'm passing on because like, Lee I think keep up the good work and you may need a bit of <laughs> intervention but I, I love the fact that you're back exercising alright now I keep twitching the listener says have sudden movements as I sleep and I keep waking the wife right now I think he's quite lucky He's twitching in his sleep mm-hmm. rather than pitch, twitching when he's awake. You'd be far more worried if he was twitching like when he was awake, wouldn't you? Well, twitching when you're awake is a, is a real nuisance. This sounds to me like it's more of a problem for his wife than for him if he's twitching and kicking and stuff. Quite a lot of people do this. Quite a lot of people. And you see, do you know what you see it with? You often see it with dogs. Do you know if you're ever looking at a dog, you know, I hate, hate animals, I know, George, but for the normal people out there like me who like dogs, they twitch and they leap around in their sleep and they yelp and they shoot out a leg and all that kind of stuff. It's not uncommon when we're dreaming for our neurophysiology to respond so to our dreams. So don't be worrying about it, it's just It may well be nothing to do with anything. Well, so there are some medications though that interfere with your sleep pattern and your dream pattern too and they can cause problems. So it I may be that he's on, on Saturday I night. No, and nobody wants to know about that. But the issue though, the issue, I have another one. Husband is deaf all day, snores all night. Well, husbands are always deaf during the day when they're at home because they might be asked to do the washing up or put out the rubbish or something. So naturally, they're deaf. Her husband's deaf, snores all night, keeps her awake. So effectively, we have two women awake all night, one with a twitch and one with a well, husband. I actually think this is a question for you. Go on and so- solve this one. One? At worst, single beds. I, I mean, be- at worst, I single beds. At best, different rooms. 
I knew you were going to say that. No, that's difficult if you have kids. Like, obviously, we didn't go the single rooms route until the kids left the house. Yeah. But the day the last one left, I couldn't wait to go to single room. It's actually incredible the negative impact snoring has on your relationships yeah. because the person, the, the snorer doesn't know too much about it, but the snoree on the receiving end of the snoring yeah. is driven demented. And, and actually, it does destroy intimacy for people because very what? often... What? Do, what do you mean? You know fine well what I mean because people get kicked out of the bedroom because nobody can sleep with them. Oh, I, um, I would suggest... But you don't do it when you're asleep. I you would do it when you're Away. I would suggest a pair of earplugs for the wife that's, and that yeah. this husband may need to be checked if he's a wocious snorer for sleep apnea because that's very common among Irish men and it's generally speaking very underdiagnosed. Because we have another question which says the wife wakes me up and says that I, I've stopped breathing which is classic sleep apnea yeah. isn't it? Yeah and we had another fella in this week as well who said that he wakes up in a cold sweat kind of gasping for breath and kind of thinks that he might have sleep apnea so we've had about four queries touching on this this week Um I would say if you think you have sleep apnea, there's every chance you have because it's quite common and it's underdiagnosed. So if you think you have it because you're snoring and gulping for air and the other big yeah. symptom of it is that you're dozy during the day, you're somnolent. Because you don't sleep Because properly. exactly, you're, you're being woken yeah. up every couple of minutes so your quality oh, okay. of your sleep is really poor and you never get out of sort of REM sleep. You only ever get into kind of, you never get into deep sleep as it were. Do you know what I mean? So you're having crappy, shallow sort of sleeping times. What about the 45-year-old fella? Well, it may, may not be a fella, but anyway, a 45-year-old sprained ankle, still not 100% after 10 weeks. Yeah, do you know what? A sprained ankle can take three months to heal and that's if you look after it correctly. If you don't look after it correctly, it can take much longer. A sprained ankle, a badly sprained ankle can take just as long to heal realistically as a broken ankle. Um, what do you need to do? Well, you need to do some ankle exercises and I can't really demonstrate them on the radio, but if you can kind of imagine looking at your foot and rotating your ankle around one way and then rotating it around the other way, you know what I mean? Rotating the foot. That's good, okay? But a lot of people would need to have some physio done to strengthen the, the the your ankle is a funny kind of a joint and you need to strengthen both sides of it because it's quite easy to weaken and damage the outer you know the bit with the pointy knobbly yeah. bit that sticks out of the outside of your leg not the inside of your leg that side gets damaged Where and weakened are easily you, like it costs a few bob I don't even know if the chemist shops still sell them but we used to when we were playing rugby we'd buy a tin of this adhesive stuff and then oh, you yeah, strap the up your ankle the kinetic like. type yeah do you know even easier George you can now buy a pull on figure of eight ankle support which does okay, the exact same thing from but Scholes or somebody from any chemist it's very handy and, and they're not All that right. expensive and you can do that physio is another thing exercise gentle kind of coming back yeah. to exercise sort of thing um, and you may need some anti-inflammatories you may even need an MRI to see what's going on but a bad sprain does take up to three months right. to heal listen I don't want to think we're talking about sleep all the time but is falling out of the bed indicative of and some fellow keeps falling out of the bed it's quite unusual small bed probably. it's quite unusual to fall out <laughs> Yes, it is, yeah. and you know what you sometimes see it with, and I'm not saying it's this because we don't know. Is sometimes if people right because people tend to even when they're asleep have a certain degree of proprioception so that they know if they're in a bed up against a wall if they turn left they'll hit the wall and if they turn right yeah. they'll fall out. So they don't turn right; they only turn left. But if you change your bed position or you're in a different bed, people fall out much more commonly because they think, well, I'm not allowed to turn right, I turn right. left, and then they're in the wrong bed. So people do that. Another reason people fall out of bed, of course, is being drunk. And I have no idea about this individual person who's, who's sort of right. ringing into us. But, but yeah. that's another common reason why people fall out of the bed. The marathon runner from Wexford, Tom says, uh, run on grass barefoot. 
there are there are a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, you go up to Phoenix Park, and then there's about ten, you know, broken bottles or something. Um, I wouldn't run running on for, running for, on for grass is better for the joints. That's true, but there is and there is a movement about running barefoot, and you see is lots there? of yeah, you see a lot of runners naked out naked barefoot. No, just barefoot, barefoot. George. Uh, sorry, um, you see a lot of people doing it, and there are things about it that are, are good and positive in some ways. But bear in mind, there's no cushioning there that protects your knees, your yeah, hips, or, right. or your vertebrae from the impact when you don't have the cushion of runners. So, so there's negatives too. Sand? Sand is actually very hard to run on because it gives each time you run. So you actually have, it's, it's like running yeah. against something, against running against yeah. resistance. Well, there was a great coach called Percy Sorotti and he coached an Australian called Herb Elliott. And the theory behind his term was running up and down sand dunes and your man became an Olympic champion. Well, now this one's really worrying from John Donegal. Son diagnosed with bacterial endocarditis. This has caused the kid to have a leaking aortic heart valve. Long-term prognosis? Um, this is quite a serious condition, George. And what bacterial endocarditis is, is, is when you get um, a bacterial infection as opposed to a viral infection that attacks the actual uh, heart valves themselves so that the, the heart valves become scarred and thickened, okay? And then they don't work properly because they need to open and close and open and close and open and close every time the heart beats. And if they're not working properly, if those flaps can't move in and out easily, you have a damaged heart valve. He was saying, will he need surgery? It's hard to say. It depends on the, the degree of damage. It depends on either. You either have a stenosis where the valve is closed too tightly and it's hard for blood to get in and out or you have a regurgitation where the, the valve is floppy and too much blood sort of squirts out. So we don't know the exact rate of, of difficulty this kid is having. Um, here's the thing. Supposing down the line this person does need, need heart valve surgery. What I would say to you is this is heart valve surgery is light years ahead now yeah. of where it once was. They can do it without even sort of going inside. They can do There's it percutaneously. Exactly. In the, in the matter private and core called Rona Margie. And he does it all. They do it's it by magic they do without it by going go, inside. Exactly. They don't even have to crack your chest. They, go, they do it by going through an incision in your groin in the same way that they do things like angiograms. Do you know, you know those kinds of things people may be familiar yeah. with? They, they, they go up yeah. and they pass a probe yeah. right up to the heart through the vascular tree and they can operate that way. So this is going to be a hugely different situation for somebody by the time this this young fella might need an operation and okay. obviously I'm sure the parents are, are very upset because it, it, nobody wants right. their child to have anything wrong with their heart D- but, but don't worry there, there's loads of loads of progress made here on the sleep apnea front right. just quickly uh, Connor says he got this machine Right, yep. so you put on a mask yep. and you put turn the machine on yep. by the side of the bed. Now, can you imagine in the unlikely event on Saturday night that Pammy said to me, "You know, George, come with me to the Casbah," and I arrived clutching my my machine and my mask. It's a, wonder, you know. it's a wonderful image you've conjured no, in my mind. Point, like I think the sleep apnea thing can like only. Only married men really can do the whole mask and stuff because certainly your kind of courtship days have gone for a burden if you arrive clutching the machine and well, the mask. Well, well, there is a grain of truth in that, but bear in mind it tends to be a condition of older persons, most of whom um, oh, yeah. maybe are not quite in the full flush of youth or at the kind of going to coppers kind of stage of life. Yeah, right. Well, true. What's coppers? Never mind. All right. Okay. Uh, oh yeah, Connie. Another gout question, okay. right? Now she tried Ali Pure Nolan. She tried Voltron. Look, there's only one answer to this, but she knows how do I get uric acid down? And first of all, you go to a rheumatologist, not your sixty euro GP, 
right? You go to a rheumatologist and you have a combination of allopurinol and colchicine uh, and you go, you have to go on long-term treatment for this. It's a lifetime battle. I'm, I, I haven't had, I couldn't tell you when I last had an attack. But I'm an allopurinol every single yeah. day. I, I thought that when I read Connie's text, she said, well, I've tried allopurinol as if to say the fact that I tried it and got an attack while yeah. it's on it meant I wasn't going to try it anymore. You need to stay on that because it is very difficult to keep your uric acid levels down with, with diet alone. Now, if you do go on, Connie, and you Google, because it's too long for us here on the show, but if you do go on and you Google uh, foods you should avoid in gout, there is a list of them and you can do that, but that's probably not going to be enough. And what you need to do is do that and take your allopurinol and treat the gouty attacks when they occur until yeah. you kind of get it under control. But it's as you say, George, it is a long-term commitment. And a lot of this is about maintenance. There's no cure Correct. for gout. There's that's treatment right. and maintenance. And yeah. that's what we're aiming for. We're not really aiming for anything else. Now, this is a bit early. Your man getting up in the middle of the night to pee. Oh, all yes, right? so Now, all 70-year-olds like myself consider this He's quite normal. Though. right? He's 43. Yeah. And he does appear to be sensible, like not drinking cups of coffee before he yeah. goes to bed yeah. and that kind of stuff. Um, it's hard is to this kn- prostate related Jess? Well it could be it, it doesn't have to be George there are other reasons but it could be which means that this guy even though he is young he is only 43 and mostly we say you don't really need to worry about your prostate too much before the age of 50 but he should go on into a GP he should have a, a PSA blood test and he right. should have a direct rectal examination which means that he needs to have his prostate examined to see if there's anything going on All because right. he is a young man to be experiencing those symptoms and it does need to be ruled now, out Now I want to ask your advice here Yeah like getting up in the middle of the night to pee. This is on behalf of all the old age sure. pensioners in the country, right? They get up and they wake everybody, then go to the bathroom, then they come back and then they have a snort and a fart and all this kind of noise and then they get back into bed and they've woken everybody, right? I think a return to the traditional chamber pot. A bedpan. Do you agree? No. Oh, look. I return. Now, you see, you always think I come up with a really good idea every week and you dismiss it out of hand. <laughs> I'm such a trial for you. No, um, no I'm not that, Do you know what? Do I agree? Uh, no, I don't like the idea of it at all. But having said that, I'm a great believer in choice, George. If you want one. Well, I'm seen... going to get one. I'm actually going to get one. Good. And then if somebody I don't like comes to the door, I'll oh. empty it out the window. <laughs> That's what they used to do in the you old days. You remind me of Henry VIII. Do you yeah, that? They between, used to do in the old days. all things considered, <laughs> that's who, who I think you're most like. Listen, I'm a bit worried about Sharon. She's 50. Severe anxiety, depression. Mm. She's got depression under control now, but after 20 years of Valium. Uh, and she's now, the Rutland Clinic got her off it. Very Great good. news, well done. It is. She hasn't drunk alcohol in three years. She walks two hours daily to manage the anxiety and depression. She's on 90 degrees of Simbalta, but she cannot relax. Yeah. I saw that, and, and I and I like you. I thought it was a kind of a sad uh, story. But, but if you can't relax, you can't relax. Oh, no, no, that's not true. That's not true at all. But I'm giving you more good she, ideas she, than you're dismissing She's them. doing everything that she can in terms Correct. of she's walking for two hours Correct. a day. She's taking medication. She's very Correct. committed to this. But she hasn't mentioned anywhere there the idea that she's doing any kind of talking therapy one of the most effective ways of managing your anxiety as effective in the main as things like Cymbalta is to engage with cognitive behavioural therapy which is where you practice you go to a psychotherapist you mean anxiety management anxiety management first line treatment and it isn't mentioned anywhere in that text which makes me think maybe it's not going on is about 
the talking therapies, anxiety management, cognitive behavioural therapy, learning to talk your own head down from the spiralling of anxiety. Talking to yourself. Well, if, if, need, mean, if like, needs be. No, you know what I mean is you learn that, do you? You do, you learn You're techniques. Kind of, you you learn. can attend a CBT count, uh, a therapist, certainly you can, but there are also things you have to practice yourself. It's like some, it's like a physio will do a bit of work on you, but then give you exercises to do when you go home. And you need to practice right. stuff like that. Um, and I would suggest she should do that because I think that is very effective. I have seen, George, literally people who've been having 20 panic attacks a day and couldn't leave the house become anxiety free on no medication by using right. things like, like CBT it's very important Alright uh, CBT uh, alright I won't say a word anyway Kira Kelly doctor uh, you get a discount from Kira by the way if you mention the right hook and uh, she'll be back next Monday with the right hook health checkup